0: helping to secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. This is the Constitution Study on the America Out Loud Network with your host, Paul Engel. (music) Noah Webster said an independent judiciary is the firmest bulwark of freedom. But what happens when that bulwark is used to destroy our freedom? When courts of law are used as courts of revenge, can liberty survive in such a climate? According to the statistics website uh, Statista.com, in 2021, there were approximately 950,000 doctors in the U.S. and 1.3 million lawyers. Why? Because America has become an extremely litigious society don't like any outcome, and most people's response is to sue someone.
1: No, I don't know who's been saying these things, but I want you to know when we get back, I am going to sue somebody. I don't know who and I don't know how, but by God, I am going to sue somebody.
0: Over the years, this desire to sue has morphed into seeking revenge via the judicial system, leading us in part to the sad state of the judiciary today and what we laughably call our justice system. Well, hello there, everyday Americans. Paul Engel here with the Constitution Study, where we read and study the Constitution, teach rising generation to be free. I am so glad you could join me today as we look at some examples of gaining revenge via the judicial system. This is a little different from a previous episode I did about the, the, um, uh, the process being the punishment, where that was an attack. This is an attempt at revenge, and uh, I'll admit it. Sometimes I have that feeling as well. I just, you know, I see something awful and I, we should sue somebody. It's one of the reasons why I think over the last couple of years, I focused less on federal lawsuits and more on federal criminal prosecutions. There's a couple of reasons for that. But it's this idea that, well, if you don't like the outcome, we'll just continue suing until we get the outcome we want. It's a matter of revenge. Now, we've seen it in the, uh, the recent lawsuits attempting to uh, punish uh, gun manufacturers for actually making guns, but there's another one that popped up, and, and this one really kind of caught my attention. Um, how many of you remember Kyle Rittenhouse? Uh, he's the, the, the young man who went to Kenosha, Wisconsin during the, the riots there uh, in order to help people defend their, their, their lives and their property, and in doing so, when he was attacked by a, a group of uh, of young men when his life was threatened he used his his firearm to defend himself um, for that act he was charged uh, he was uh, the the case was heard by a jury which acquitted him said uh, he was acting in self-defense and I, I remember bits and pieces because I remember um, looking at this case and seeing you know once the evidence really started coming out just how Ridiculous! The the charges were. I, I understand this desire. Whenever we see a citizen using a firearm, there people are just we we have to get them. It should be wrong. Well, here we go again. We're now on the what the third three years after uh, this event. After Mister. Rittenhouse, I believe it was last year or so, was uh, acquitted of any crime. Uh, he and several others are being sued. By the estate of Joseph Rosenbaum, one of the men uh, he was he was forced to uh, defend himself from that ended up taking that man's life. Not, not surprisingly, the uh, the complaint has a a certain slant to it. Shall we say? Uh, in reading some of the the introduction, uh, I, I found a couple of things of interest. For example, one point was as during the protest they were talking about protests of the uh, the death by law enforcement of Jacob Blake. Um, they say, During the protest, private citizens took up arms and patrolled the streets of Kenosha, acting as law enforcement agents. Interesting. I don't know if I'd, if they were necessarily patrolling, but I, they didn't act as law enforcement agents. Everyone I saw, these were men and women defending themselves, defending their property, defending their their businesses. Um, part of the complaint was, well, these people weren't Kenosha business owners. Uh, um, uh, well. Okay, so in other words, I, I see a neighbor in trouble and I go to help and that's supposed to make it, it it wrong and evil. Um not surprising the the claim is that Mr. Rosenbaum uh was peacefully protesting the shooting uh even though there's video evidence of him attacking him and, and a group of others uh, attacking and threatening uh, uh Mr. Rittenhouse. So, okay. Uh, he, the, the complaint also claims that law enforcement uh, deputized these armed individuals, conspired with them, and ratified their actions by letting them patrol the streets armed with deadly weapons to mete out justice as they saw fit. This is fantasy. This is a fiction. This is, you know, the, the, the license of, you know, we're going to take a true fact and we're going to make it spice it up for the media. That's basically what's going on here. But uh, and there's more, but I don't want to beat you up too much with it. But basically, here's a, a, the, a, a family of someone who was killed, someone who was killed for threatening the life of another person. And now they want their pound of flesh or their million dollars or whatever it is they're actually going to ask for. Now, what I find interesting is they're claiming a civil rights action under federal law 14 U.S.C. 1983, 1985, and 1986, the deprivation of rights under color of law, when a jury looking at evidence said, no, it was actually Mr. Rosenbaum and company that were depriving Mr. Rittenhouse of constitutionally protected rights under color of law this is to me this reads as this reads as revenge it's it's how can we get back at this young man for killing someone who is threatening him and that's to me the the yeah, i i try to look at both sides i understand you know okay families maybe don't always have the the best understanding of all their family members they don't know everything that's going on but um you know let's face it if this family didn't know that um these protests were generally not peaceful you know, pe people weren't showing up armed because of peaceful protesters they were showing up armed because of looting they even admit in the in the complaint that prop- business property was destroyed that's not peaceful protesting Now, whether or not the individual was being peaceful or not would be another question, except for the fact that there was video evidence put into the the court record in the Rittenhouse trial showing that these three young men were chasing Mr. Rittenhouse, chased him into a corner, and he was forced to defend himself. But just think about it. Here's, Here's Mr. Rittenhouse. He was charged with a crime, spent, what, a year and a half, two years defending his trying to defend his honor having to deal with all the legal costs and, and whatnot and now when the a jury of his peers says no what what he did was was not illegal well now you have the uh the estate of one of the people who attacked him coming to sue him meaning they want probably monetary damages does that sound twisted to you and of course there is another possibility because of the complaint focusing so much on the fact that these were individuals that, that were armed they you know it's like oh my god the police allowed armed citizens to defend themselves just the the way it reads is like oh my god um you know the the, the, the you know private citizens took up arms and patrolled the streets they patrolled the streets um you know, it, it, it's they were astonishing the, the Kenosha Police Department, Kenosha County Sheriff, their supervising officials, police officers, and law enforcement officers from surrounding communities did not treat defendant Rittenhouse or any other armed individuals patrolling the streets as a threat to the safety of themselves or the citizens they were sworn to protect. Because they were not. Simply being armed doesn't make you a threat. Which makes you wonder, could part of this be more hoplophobia? In other words, is part of this is it is an attempt to get a, a monetary payout for for the destructive acts of a family member, or is this just another attempt to go after gun control to, to to punish people for exercising a right protected by the Constitution, a human right to defend yourself with the best tools possible? I don't know. I honestly, I do not know for sure because there have been plenty of people who every time there's a shooting, it's funny. They go after the guns, and they never seem to go after the criminals. They always seem to focus their ire on the law-abiding gun owner. Well, uh, there was a shooting recently in in Jacksonville, Florida, and the the sheriff, um, well, the the sheriff had something to say about it. The the story is always
2: about guns. People are bad. This guy's a bad guy. If I could take my gun off right now, now, lay it on this counter. Nothing will happen. It'll sit there. But as soon as a wicked person grabs a hold of that handgun and starts shooting people with it, there's the problem. The problem is the individual. Absolutely. So I have to
0: wonder, is this move by the Rosenbaum estate a question of gun revenge? Because, Like I said, we're always punishing Mr. Rittenhouse by via due process was found to have been defending his life from an imminent threat. I expect the, the complaint to be slanted, right? This is the the, the family, the estate, because the estate is the, the legal entity. You're talking about the family members, whoever's in charge of the estate. Um, They want something. They either want revenge against Mr. Rittenhouse for defending himself, or they want revenge against people who actually use guns to defend themselves which uh, which one, I don't know. And from my point of view, which one is less important than the basic understanding that um, if you don't get the outcome you want, we'll use the judicial system, we'll use the judiciary in order to get revenge, to get an outcome we want, To, to not to look for justice. You have to understand, these are supposed to be courts of justice that was their original intent um of course then they became courts of law which okay but the laws aren't always just finally they've become courts of revenge they're not interested in justice this, this lawsuit isn't interested in justice. By the way, again, Noah Webster, he defined justice as the virtue which consists in giving to everyone what is his due, the practical conformity to the laws and to the principles of rectitude in the dealings of men with each other. Well, again, if three men were chasing and threatening a young man, it is he was just in defending himself, being uh, 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 maligned. I mean, he was lied about in the press. That wasn't justice. Uh, there are still people lying about it. That isn't justice. These these uh, uh, this complaint is, is apparently full of fabrications. That isn't justice. The fact that he's still having himself isn't justice. Any more than someone like me has to defend myself because a criminal with a an evil person decides to pick up a gun and harm other people with it. Yet, I'm I'm here in Tennessee, and our governor, for some, I believe, purely politically driven reason, decided that the way to deal with a mass murder in Nashville is to go after the rights of the law-abiding citizens of Tennessee. Ladies and gentlemen, one of the reasons I'm in Tennessee is because New York has it out for gun owners. They have for decades. I could tell you the story of what I had to go through To get a carry permit back up in the Empire Um, It's amazing how easy it was down here But again, I've never harmed an individual With a firearm in my life Yet every time somebody does a bad thing We're we're not allowed to know the motivation Of the shooter in Nashville Because they keep hiding the the manifesto Um, But uh, I'm going to talk about that Actually in the next segment but here, I'm not, we're not allowed to find out what their motivation was, but that is an excuse to try and take away the due process rights of gun owners in this state. And again, here in Tennessee, this is happening. Can you imagine what it's like in New York and California and Illinois? Very often this happens not simply through the legislative process, but through the so-called justice system. With the Department of Injustice, where uh, again I don't I don't want to deny people the right to sue. Uh, I'm I'm curious where this case goes because in my mind, um, does this get thrown out as a frivolous lawsuit? Does does the, the the complaint actually demands a jury trial? Does that mean that another jury of the same group from the, from the same state and district? that uh um that said that uh uh Mr. Rittenhouse was acquitted he was not guilty um by the way criminal uh standard you know, criminal cases do have a higher standard than civil cases but they want another jury trial to once again say hopefully that Mr. Rittenhouse was just in his defense of his life from a group of attackers and if they've got evidence to the contrary, I'd love to see it because n- not what I've seen so far in the complaint gives me any reason to to understand to to believe that uh, the actual facts have changed. I again questioning the way this complaint is written. What do I see? I see an attorney doing his job, uh, and that is seeking what his client wants, and his client wants apparently either a payday or a punishment of gun owners and we'll have to see what happens but it it brings to mind the question the question we should all be asking are we truly looking for a a a just bulwark of our freedom or are we looking to the courts as a tool of revenge to to get our way to get our pound of flesh from somebody that we we disagree with either because we disagree of the justness of their actions or because we disagree with a policy that uh, that they used to for whatever actions they took we'll talk about this more but i do have to take a break before i go though uh please head to the website constitutionstudy.com it's where we're doing everything here the the new version hopefully will be up if not in the next day or two i'm trying really hard i've got it really really close uh, but it's going to, it has a new news magazine feel. There's news feeds. There's there's a great set of organizations. Of course, that's where the Patriots program is going to be. All of it is there. ConstitutionStudy.com. Please sign up for a mailing list. You'll get notified of uh, what, what's going on here at the Constitution Study, the release of new events and programs. You can also purchase uh, books or other material. Best of all, you can ask a question. Just click the Ask a Question button. And if you hit the checkbox, it says, uh, answer on America Out Loud Talk Radio, I'll be more than happy to answer your question right here. All of it's there at the website, constitutionstudy.com. Also, I don't know about you, but sometimes I get to the end of the day and I'm pooped. You know, the mind's just fuzzy as all get out. That's when I reach for a product that will boost my short-term focus and my long-term brain power. What is that product? It's healthy self Focus and Recall vitamins. That's right, vitamins, not caffeine, not sugar, not chemicals, Simply vitamins. Now, if you want to find out how you can get yours and get 25% off your first order, simply go to AmericaOutloud.shop. From there, you'll find the links and the code OUTLOUD, which will get you 25% off your first order from Healthy Cell.
2: These days, every time you turn on the news, it seems like there's a new threat to your health maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Advanced Nutrition Company Healthy Cell created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. These physician-formulated gels come in a small gel pack Tear off the top and shoot it down, or mix it in water. Boost your immunity. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com, code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com, code OUTLOUD. The pandemic may be over for some. But millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. You've heard Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at the Wellness Company discuss the harmful effects of spike protein in your body. And now they found the solution. The miracle enzyme natokinase. Their spike support formula contains natokinase For 25% off your first order.
1: You wouldn't go a day without brushing your teeth or washing your hands. What about washing your nose? I mean, your nose does filter the air you breathe. Air loaded with bacteria, viruses, and irritants. Make nasal hygiene part of your routine with Clear. No messy bottles to fill. No drowning sensation. Clear is a natural drug-free saline with the added benefit of xylitol, which blocks bacterial and viral adhesion. Available in stores and online at clear.com. That is is X-L-E-A-R.com.
0: Welcome back, Everyday Americans. You rejoin the Constitution study. Today, we're talking about judicial revenge. And well, let's face it, judicial revenge doesn't just happen in the courthouse. It just doesn't involve the judicial system. There's a variation of this that we've seen over the last several years that actually happens in Congress. Yes, that is the impeachment process. Now, under Article 2, Section 4, we read, The President, Vice President, and all civil officers of the United States shall be removed from office on impeachment for and conviction of treason, briberies, or other high crimes and misdemeanors. That's a very important point because we have yet another set of uh, articles of impeachment that have been filed this time by Florida Representative Corey Mills. Now He's promised to do this, and, and I've looked. I haven't been able to find the actual articles of impeachment, but I did find uh, an article that does discuss uh, some of what he said is in the articles of impeachment. So um, these, by the way, are against the, the defense attorney Lloyd Austin. So it's reported that high-level officials in this administration blatantly ignored intel that Americans and our allies, allied partners in Kabul, would be left behind in harm's way unless the U.S. corrected course in our withdrawal. Uh, he also said that as a result, nearly 200 people, including 13 American servicemen, were murdered at Abbey Gate in Kabul, Afghanistan, two years ago now i understand mr mills has uh, he served in the army he is a veteran and uh, so he he has some insight of what it was like but that was the, the predicate statement he says because of this clear dereliction of duty i am introducing articles of impeachment for secretary of defense lloyd austin it's not enough for congress to hold committee hearings we must start taking real action to address the complete failure of his administration so okay he announced he's a he's, uh, uh, introducing articles of impeachment what is he impeaching him for this is why i want to find the actual articles cuz the details matter right what we're looking at now is a is a statement it's a it's political posturing but if the answer is well he's being impeached for dereliction of duty well that's obviously not bribery and it's obviously not treason um although You'd have a hard time being that Because again, treason requires Actually making war against the United States Or giving aid and comfort to their enemies And what he described was not so much Giving aid and comfort to the enemies That's a uh, uh, That's another discussion we should have at some point But uh, we'll, we'll we'll see But if the question is Is dereliction of duty simply a, a misdemeanor a high? It's not a high crime But it could be a misdemeanor Because remember, when um, Today, we treat misdemeanors, misdemeanors as low-level crimes, and when the Constitution was drafted, a misdemeanor was bad behavior that didn't rise to the level of a crime. So, um, I don't know, maybe. According to reports, the first article of impeachment is dereliction of duty resulting in abandonment Of Americans in Afghanistan, in his role as Secretary of Defense, and in violation of his constitutional oath to defend and ensure our and secure our country and uphold the Constitution, taken on January twenty-second, twenty twenty-one, Lloyd James Austin III engaged in high crimes and misdemeanors through his dereliction of his duties and intentional abandonment of Americans in Afghanistan. This, ladies and gentlemen, is, to my mind, a stretch. I agree. What happened in Afghanistan was terrible. It was a it was a travesty uh, against the people of Afghanistan that we had promised we would protect against our own service men who who were there doing the job. But is dereliction of duty, um, a high crime or misdemeanor? Show me the crime that says you, that 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 is a, a dereliction of duty. It, I'm not saying it's not. I'm. I'm not aware of it. Maybe it's there, but again, high crime or misdemeanor. But I want to remind the representative that uh, uh, Mr. Austin's oath of office was not to defend. I don't believe it was to defend and secure our country. He was required by the Constitution to uphold the Constitution, in in which case the Commander-in-Chief is not the Secretary of Defense. It's the President of the United States. And while I completely disagree with the decision, if we're going to turn tactical decisions into misdemeanors, high crimes, and misdemeanors, well then we're just we, again we've turned the uh the the impeachment process into political revenge, which is what I've seen in the previous most of the previous um articles of impeachment, and it's kind of what I'm seeing here now, according to the resolution uh uh Mr. Austin uh, has forsaken his sworn duties to the United States of America, its national security, and its people, and has acted in a manner grossly incompatible with the Constitution, warranting impeachment and trial and removal from office. Well, okay, sworn duties. He's the Secretary of Defense. His job, his duty, is to be the interface between the President and the different branches of the military. It's not his job to set Policy—it's his job to enact policy un- given to him from the president, unless said policy is a blatant violation of the Constitution. But not once has I seen—at least I've seen so far—has um has, has the, the article impeachment show a violation of what the Constitution actually says. They claim it's grossly incompatible with the Constitution, but they don't actually show it. Now, again, I have yet to find the actual articles. If I can find the articles of impeachment, I will look at them closer and see. But uh, again, this seems more a question of political revenge than a question of um, a serious article of impeachment. Uh, if, if if they could, fi- if he could find the actual, if if. if he has to first show that uh, Lloyd Austin himself was derelict in his duties that in carrying out his instructions from the commander in chief that he violated the the constitution of the united states and i don't see it if that were the case we'd have to impeach every uh secretary of defense that had made a bad move in any war could we could we impeach um, oh, I can't remember the guy's name. You know, for the uh the when we when we left Hanoi, do you uh uh do do we impeach the uh secretary to, actually it was the secretary of war at the time that uh, imp- allowed the implementation in World War II of Operation Market Garden that failed miserably? Again, what I'm seeing here is mostly revenge. While we're talking about revenge, here's another classic example of revenge uh in this case using the Department of Injustice, and uh, hopefully being, it looks like it's being rectified by the courts. See, a gentleman, Waylon Bailey, filed suit under 42 U.S.C. 1983, claiming that his First and Fourth Amendment rights were uh, violated when he was arrested as a terrorist for a post on Facebook. Now, the district court granted the uh, the detective and the sheriff involved um, a, a Motion for summary judgment. They said, "Listen, we have qualified immunity. Um, we can't be charged for this. We can't be sued for this." And the district court said, "Yeah, you're right. You know, your work for the government. You have you you. They they call it qualified immunity. It's more like sovereign immunity, in that uh, you can be as evil as you want. If you can play, if you can claim you are too stupid to know what the Constitution says, then you get away with it." Well, the circuit court says no. What, what Mr. Bailey was doing was constitutionally protected speech, and uh, they overturned the grant, uh, the, the summary judgment, and sent the case back to the courts to be worked on. So this case is still in process. Um, what I find interesting, a lot of reporting talks about, oh, it's a great day for free speech. It's a step in the right direction. But what's interesting is, we're back to the First and Fourth Amendment question. See the the Mr. Bailey lives in uh, Central Louisiana, and uh, during the the COVID scam he made a page, he put a post on Facebook that said, uh, "Just in uh, Rapids, Paris Sheriff Office have issued the order: if deputies come into contact with the infected, shoot on sight." Lord have mercy on us all. Now he intended this to be a joke, right? But apparently, um, it got some people's attention. He was referring to uh, the the World War Z movie with Brad Pitt uh, talking about zombies and whatnot. But um, the question then becomes: Did he uh, did he threaten anybody? No. No, he was joking that that the sheriff's department was going to be threatening people. Well, Detective Randall Isles was assigned by the Rapids Par- uh, Parish Sheriff's Office to investigate. Um, his supervisors were concerned that the post was a legitimate threat. A threat of what? He said that sheriff's deputies would be shooting the uh, COVID zombies, right? It, it's, you know, and, and uh, again, talk about thin skin. Um, but they decided, no, this was committing terrorism in violation of Louisiana law. Now, without seeking an arrest warrant, Isles and several deputies went to Bailey's house and arrested him. There's the Fourth Amendment violation. That that was an illegal, that was an unreasonable seizure. They didn't have an arrest warrant. They had no uh, um, um, exigent circumstance. They had no immediate need. That's the Fourth Amendment. The First Amendment, of course, we have a problem because Congress didn't make the law that said you could, trying to say you couldn't say this. So we've got that problem to deal with. But Hear what we see. We see the sheriff's department using their "quote-unquote" justice powers to intimidate some somebody from making fun of them. Now, was it a good joke? I, I don't know. Was it a you know? I don't know if it was particularly funny, but um, you know, really, if you're gonna if, if someone says that a sheriff's deputy is 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 you know may shoot might shoot somebody. Uh, or that the sheriff has ordered them to shoot on certain circumstances. That's not a direct threat. He he. Even if it was a a, a direct threat, you you know the the sheriff's office would have to get a warrant before arresting him unless he threatened. He his threat could be seen as being done immediately. You you catch what I'm what I'm throwing here. This is the sheriff's department first using their power of arrest. Illegally using their power of arrest um, and to intimidate, and then claiming, of all the stupid, that well we have qualified immunity because there was no, there's no way we could know that arresting someone without a warrant would be a violation of the Constitution of the United States. Really, I, I, I'm sorry, but how, how stupid were they? So now this is going to go back to the district court, and I'll have to wait and see what happens there at the district court. But um, what I see here again are two government actors, right? One, a representative in the, in the House, here, a, a sheriff's, either a sheriff's investigator, the sheriff's department, using their legitimate powers illegitimately to get revenge on their political opponents. Or their opponents in one form or another. Right? Again, if Mr. Um, uh, Mr. Mills of Florida can actually show crimes, not, well, you know, this was his, his, his following orders was unconstitutional. If that's, is that the case? If making a bad tactical decision is unconstitutional, since he was in the army, I wonder if Mr. Mills ever made a bad tactical decision. Is that now an impeachable offense? Can he be removed from office? Because at one time in his, U- in his Army career, he followed orders that turned out to be uh, not the best orders. You see the kind of the, 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 how far this is being taken? Now, listen, I'm no fan of Lloyd Austin. I'm no fan of most of what this administration has done. But seriously, folks, if we're going to have, if we're going to have a judicial system, if we're going to have courts of justice, the justice has to work both ways. And that includes in, when we're dealing with impeachment. And it certainly includes, you know, I, I look at this saying, you know, the, uh, um, Mr. Bailey sued under 1983. I'm sorry, I would have also filed a criminal complaint under 18 U.S.C. 242. In fact, I would say 241, since multiple people were involved. They dispatched a SWAT team to Bailey's residence to arrest him without a warrant. least that's what I heard reported. That's using the "quote-unquote" justice system for revenge. Now, I don't know about you, that should be concerning, because let, let's face it, all right? If they decide that something you say is terrorism, do you really want to be waking up one morning to a SWAT team outside your door to have a um, to be arrested without a warrant? And then have them claim, you can't, you can't sue me because I work for the government. That to me, ladies and gentlemen, is a very bad position to be in. It's one, um, I I hope, I'm not, put it this way, based on the the recent, based on what the district court did the first time, I'm not holding out much hope they're going to get it right this time. And I expect it to go back to the circuit, maybe even up as high as the Supreme Court. But I would also like to see this handled as a criminal complaint because what the sheriff's office and these deputies did was criminal. They they committed an unreasonable seizure. without They deprived him of his liberty and his property without due process of law. They seized his person without a warrant. This is banana republic stuff. And this is criminal activity and as much as i understand the desire to sue personally i think it's about time we start charging these people with crimes granted it's the federal government that will be trying them so i wouldn't hold my breath too much there but we have to start somewhere we have to take this information recognize this wasn't just a civil case this was a criminal activity and if we don't recognize it as such well, then it's more of a he said, she said. It comes down to the opinion of judges. We need to have a judicial system that actually understands justice and that applies the law equally all the way around. That means getting rid of most of the cases of, of uh, uh, limited immunity, of qualified immunity, and actually charging people for their criminal activity under color of law. I have to take a break. Before I go, though, I would like you to head to americaoutloud.news. I go there every day to find out what's going on. It's part of my news reading process. And you should, too. It's a great place to see the find news and happenings. But it's also a great place to find other stories and information, podcasts, video, articles with lots of great information that you can share. See, if we wish to enjoy the blessings of liberty, it's not good enough for us to see when it is being infringed upon. We have to share to get other people engaged as well, so that we can enjoy and be secure with those blessings of liberty.
2: With the rise of independent media, we are now
0: AmericaOutloud.News. Welcome back, Everyday Americans. You have rejoined the Constitution study, and we're talking today about judicial revenge. Now, I've already mentioned the shooting in Jacksonville. I want to go back to that for a minute, because there's a piece of information that I want you to keep in mind. Uh, by all accounts, the, the murderer in Jacksonville was an evil person. I mean, just straight up evil. He made no bones about the fact that, that he wanted to kill black people. That, that uh, um, you know, he had painted swastikas on his, his, his weapons. Um, he had posted many times, this guy is straight up evil. Um, now, here's the thing I want you to notice. Apparently, the police have unco- uncovered multiple manifestos that he left behind. Now, here's my question. How many of you expect to see those manifestos made public? I certainly wouldn't be surprised, but for some reason, the manifesto for the shooter in Nashville, the murder in Nashville, um, that's not only being, not being made public, there's actually been legal work to make sure it doesn't, never becomes public. So what's the difference? Well, I have to wonder. See, there's a different narrative here. The Jacksonville shooting was a straight up racist shooting. This is a guy, a white guy shooting black people in a shopping, in a a store, Dollar General. It fits the narrative. So I expect all this information to become public. But you see, in Nashville, we have a a self identifies trans person killing children. We don't want the manifest. We don't need the manifesto. The people shouldn't have an idea of why such a person would do this. Now again, they haven't released the Jacksonville manifestos yet. Uh, I am speculating just a little bit here because if I look at if I look at the history not only of the reporting but of the way police treat things like this, I expect that within a couple of days if it hasn't already happened by the time you hear this that those the, the manifesto from the ja- manifestos from the Jacksonville shooting will be made public. Because they promote this idea of a racist nation A systemic racism um, Of white people hating black people That's a, a message That has been told over and over again And it's an easy way to, pl- to Paint a lot of people with a broad brush I expect that To come out When it's a transgender person Gee I wonder If, it's, if we're going to hear about We still haven't heard about that no, the, the people are both evil the, the, whether you're killing people because they're black or you're killing children, that's evil. And I part of it is I don't want to promote these people, but I would like to understand the rationale. Why? Because if we can learn something as a people, as a society, about why these people did these things, not to condone it, but to understand for the purpose of identifying it in others that might have similar motivation, I would think that would be a, a good thing. And I know several people have said, "Well, it's an ongoing investigation. There's nothing left to investigate. They they know who show, who did the murders in both cases. They know that they were working alone in both cases. This shouldn't be an ongoing investigation." The concern I have is, are we going to see the 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 court system continue to be used to um hide what is potentially uh, uh exculpatory and exculpatory potentially ha- s- information helpful to society sure you can you can uh redact out personal information without a problem. What I and others are curious about is what drove this person to commit this act and i'm just as interested from the the jacksonville where did this person learn to hate such in such a way uh, i don't believe we're born hating people i believe we are taught we are indoctrinated we are trained to hate people i'm curious where that jacksonville person learned to hate black people and i'm just as curious where the national person decided to hate these young children enough to kill them but again i'm not expecting. Uh, uh, I'm not expecting that outcome. I'm not expecting to hear about that because, again, it's a it's a narrative, and we'll take the, the the legal process of releasing this information, and we'll use it for revenge on one side, while we use it to hide potential information on the other side. Now there are a few more esoteric examples of this. So I remember when we were all. Told that that uh, plastic straws are killing—they're killing turtles, they're killing fish. Plastic is evil, and um, we had to all go to to paper straws. I, I don't use a lot of straws. Uh, I never bought into the you know the, the 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 plastic is is evil nonsense. But a lot of places went to paper straws, and sometimes because people sued, there were actually people suing. Uh, I believe because of the supposed harms of plastic straws we all went to paper straws in fact in many cases i believe businesses are blackmailed into paper straws guess what there's a study out of belgium that claims that uh, many of these straws contain uh i'm I'm not gonna try and pronounce it poly pfas all right perfluorical they're bad (laughs) Right. These are chemicals that are added to the straws to make them more water repellent so they last longer. There's just one problem. these, If these are ingested in the body, they may not be good for you. Now, listen, I'm not sure that PFAs are really all that bad for you. I don't know. But I find it very interesting that uh, you, know, you think of all the the, the cases, all the legal um, maneuvering that were, that was used to get us to adopt this agenda, whether it was you know paper straws or or getting rid of plastic sacks and and the, the threats of lawsuits, leading us to make the decision, and we never bothered looking at the details, saying, "Well, gee, are the are the alternatives better than what we have now?" And of course, everyone said yes, they are, but we never really investigated it. Are, are paper straws better than um, plastic straws? Not if you're using them, right? Because they tend to collapse and they're generally awful. But also, is there a chemical question that has to be looked at? And again, big thing with PFAs are they dangerous? And in what concentrations are they dangerous? And are you getting that concentration from using straws? So I remember um, anybody else old enough to remember Alar? So he was tell us that uh, apples were dangerous because they were they were sprayed with a pesticide called Alar. I believe it was a pesticide, and everyone was freaking out about apples. I like apples, by the way. The interesting thing is when they looked at the details, they basically said, "Yeah, if you ate uh, was it a dozen apples a day every day in thirty years, you might get cancer." We need to be a little more suspect of these things. That's I guess what I was what I was wanting to say there. But the other problem we have is is sometimes um, these threats of lawsuits they 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 lead to people I would say covering up information. So we're all you know infamously aware of the CDC, and when they released the you know, the uh, vaccine the fake vaccines uh, when they uh, uh you know that when the FDA approved them and CDC was collecting data of course we saw huge spikes in vares reporting adverse effects the vaccine adverse event reporting system huge spikes um far beyond what had led to recalls in the past and they said well you can't trust that we have this other program called vSafe. and if you get the, the 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 fake vaccine uh you can report adverse effects there and and so that was supposed to be more accurate guess what it still showed a lot of problems in this data so The CDC, I, you know, said, you know what, we're going to close enrollment. They actually shut down enrollment back in May. Now, again, this program was was developed specifically for the COVID-19 vaccines. But now we've got more vaccines coming out, right? uh, Because Biden has already asked Congress for money for a whole new set of vaccines, illegally anyway. And the CDC has shut this down. Now I wonder if it's because there have been some lawsuits coming out pointing to the data in VAERS, in VSafe, and uh, other data coming out of the CDC that shows um, the CDC has not been doing the job they were they, they were created to do, and that is actually measure data. No, they've been u- they've been using it to manipulate data. They've been lying to the American people, and um, maybe they're just trying to minimize the evidence. Now, before we call it a day today, I have one other story I want you to consider, and that is: we are again, we're approaching twenty twenty-four, another election year. All of a sudden, we have a new variant. People are pushing for masks. People are pushing for vaccines. There's going to be there's talk about new lockdowns. Everything that led up to the twenty twenty debacle is being set up again. Now why is this why am I talking about that this right now? Well, some information's come to life. See, 2 weeks before the 2020 election, a woman in uh, Muskegee, Michigan I'm sorry, Muskegon, Michigan dropped off more than 10,000 voter registration forms. Now, this, by the way, well, it raised some concerns for the the city clerk because um well, you see, there were only about 4,000 of the city's voting age residents who weren't already registered. 4,000 potential registrants, more than 10,000 registration forms submitted. Seems like there's a problem. So she contacted the police and there was an investigation. October 26, 2020 is when the, uh, um, uh, a police report um, surfaced. This uh, th- th- this was found under by uh, Michigan state lawmakers from a FOIA request, and uh, during an an interview um, with the police, uh, the the lady who dropped off the the, um, the the registrations was employed by a company called GBI Strategies, um, a, a firm from out of state that was well, claimed to be working to to boost Democratic voter turnout in urban areas. Now, what's interesting is uh, she said that her job was to register voters and help them obtain absentee ballots. So now I have a question for you. Um, Do you trust the voter rolls in Muskegon, Michigan? How many other voter rolls have been manipulated? And the question now becomes is, okay, will this be dealt with by our justice system, by our judicial system? I don't know if uh, if this woman has been charged, did she fraudulently uh, send in uh, voter registrations? Did she fraudulently ask for absentee ballots? Now here's where things get a little bit interesting. See, Epoch Times uh, reached out to the the city clerk uh, to basically to find out what happened to these ten thousand plus voter registration forms. Were they still in her custody? What happened to them? Well, she said, "I cannot speak to the facts of this case at this time. I'm sorry that I cannot be of more help why can't she Why can't she not speak to this? Is there some sort of legal maneuvering going on? Has she been told by her her supervisors not to speak about this because there could be litigation again, a lot of speculation i don't want to but, but I want to consider this you see the 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 Republican party in Michigan nominated a slate of electors to cast votes. Should the election insanity in Michigan be found that no, the more votes were cast for Trump electors than Biden electors. And this is part of what Mr. Trump has been indicted for, for having a standby slate of electors. Should the, the system find that um, there was a problem? And the courts are, and then this fact, the fact that following the law, having a a state of, of nominated electors being ready, should they find should they, they find problems with these these ten thousand um registrations or anything else, is now considered a crime if it would adversely impact a democratic candidate. see that's where the 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 the, the law fair. The 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 revenge, the abuse of the um, judicial system to get uh, to get your way, is 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 heading. By the way, this isn't new. Go back to the year two thousand. How many times did Al Gore try to get Flor- oh, certain Florida counties, and only Florida counties that were going Democratic, to recount? Over in the, and he didn't get the answer he wanted. They want another recount. Didn't get the answer they want. They want another recount. And for everybody who said that um, the Supreme Court interfered, all the Supreme Court says was you cannot keep recounting till you get the answer you want. And you cannot selectively recount in order to help your position. But this is, again, judicial revenge. I didn't get the answer I want. I'm going to, use, I'm going to try to use the, the quote-unquote judicial system, the quote-unquote uh, uh, justice system, to get the outcome that I want. Noah Webster was right. An independent judiciary is the firmest bulwark of freedom. But it seems our our judiciary isn't as independent as we once thought it was. Not just the courts, but the the attorneys and the others that are part of it that um, allow these abuses of the system to get a certain outcome. The system that releases a manifesto in one set of circumstances, but refuses to in another set of circumstances. A system that basically redefines words in an attempt to prevent a political candidate from running for office. That's the, there's a Florida lawyer. Now he's the latest one to jump onto the, the 14th Amendment uh, uh, nonsense with Trump, claiming that um, he engaged in an insurrection. There's absolutely no evidence of that. But we simply redefine the word to get the answer we want. This is dangerous because if the law isn't equally applied, if we aren't equal before the law, then there is no freedom and liberty. Your, your rights disappear when courts become less the the uh deciders and arbiters of justice and more the arbiters of an agenda. Now I hope you'll come back and join us for the Constitution study every weekday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time on America Out Loud Talk Radio, heard in the iHeartRadio network. If you can't listen, then catch our podcast. Find them on your favorite podcast app. The episodes generally go to podcasts a day or two after they're heard on the radio. But do me a favor, subscribe to the show. Give me ratings on the episodes. It helps other people find the Constitution Study as well. You can find all the links you need at the homepage of AmericaOutloud.news. But I'm asking you to do your part, to share that information. And by doing so, you help share the blessings of liberty.